This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name is Chris Billet. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. Hello. My name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. You could, uh, you, you, you could, you could, you could stab and stab and stab in a room full of them, and still not make a dent in that dynasty. <laughs> I love how you started recording just as you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, no one knows what name we were talking about, so now it's just an intriguing yeah. proposition to start the podcast. On. <laughs> like, I wonder who they were talking about. Maybe you'll find out one day. Maybe you won't. I'm just gonna turn my little uh, earphone up a little bit. So I can hear you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That should be better for us. It's all on my end. It's nothing to do with you. So uh, right I'm facing away from the mic at the moment. No, no, it's because I've, I've got. I only had it set to like fucking thirty percent or something. Ah. So I, I banged you up to at least fifty, and that, that'll, <laughs> that'll solve the problem, no, no doubt. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll crack on. Eh? We've got episode fifty-five to introduce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just have a quick sip of me coffee, actually. I've got it in my hand now. Mm. I started using cream in my coffee instead of milk. Life-changer, because you don't use as much sugar. Because cream's naturally sweet. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I prefer without sugar anyway. Ah, fair, dude. So I've started cutting down on my sugar because I'm using cream, and obviously that means I'm cutting Mm. down on the milk as well. But, you know, it's just dairy for dairy. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It feels... It feels like a step in the right direction, but it might just be going in circles. <laughs> How many sugars were you putting in it? Two. Okay. But like, I, I started, you know, Not the big sports direct monks. No, the big sports yeah. direct monks as well, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's yeah. how I start my day with one of them. And then I have a smaller one with my actual breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I have like a Sports Direct coffee mug, like like that size for like my first coffee, and then do what mm. I need to do for the first like twenty minutes of the day, and then then I'll make breakfast and make myself a small coffee to go with my breakfast as well normally. Yeah, life mm. of Riley, me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Right, we'll get started. <clears throat> oh. Maris, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. I am your host, Skelly. This is episode 55, and I'm joined by everybody's favourite co-host, the one, the only, the reoccurring character, that is Wills! is back. How are you doing, man? You all right? <laughs> yeah, not bad. 
Uh, yeah, good, good. Oh, <laughs> I mean, awesome. it won't be once we start discussing Carlisle, but right now it's a difficult good. one this week. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't really want to write a write a rundown yeah. because it's just like shit after shit after shit. So I reckon mm. we'll just fly by the seat of our pants. But as we always do, Wills, we start the podcast off with positive vibes and a bit of a giggle and a laugh. It's time for yeah. the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. Let's have a blue army podcast. Jump the wing! Right. Nice little quick one for us this week, mate. Where huh? do fish keep their money? Where would a fish where... keep its money, yeah? Hmm? Where would a fish, yeah, where would a fish keep its money? I don't know. Hmm. In the riverbank. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> You've been finishing off the Christmas crackers. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making my way through those disregarded Christmas crackers. Yeah, I've only got two left. There's no point in keeping them in the yeah. box in the attic all year round. So I thought I was getting desperate and I may as well get them out. But that's the Blue Army podcast joke of the week we've got one of those every week for you lovely listeners to look forward to and uh, we'll keep the good times rolling mate actually before we dive into some of the bad news we'll do the birthdays it's time for the birthdays so the first one i've got written down on my list is probably one of the coolest names you could probably have in football if you were a brick shithouse defender this man's name was Ray Train, and he was oh, 71 yeah. <laughs> years old this week. Uh, after Ray Train is a bit of a Carlisle United odyssey, a Frenchman who came over here and entered the hearts of many a Carlisle United fan with his 81 appearances. I'm talking, of course, about Stefan Pontiwanchi. <laughs> Say that again. Stefan Pounderwoche. I did a little bit of research because the name did interest me. I was kind of thinking it might be some kind of South African heritage, right. and I might be diving down that way and seeing a couple of the Orlando Pirates maybe on his past teams. But no such luck. He started his career in France and uh, kind of ended his career as a coach in France as well. But along the way, um, he went from Carlisle to Dundee United to Port Vale to Colchester United to Scunthorpe United. So two of the teams that we find ourselves around uh, at this time of the season. Um, Apparently a bit of a legend in these parts. I was never lucky enough to get to see him in a Carlisle United It was a little bit before my time. It was a little bit yeah, before just, my time, but I think just that well, little bit. Only yeah, only because I lived in Whitehaven, so I didn't really get the Carlisle games as a teenager or anything. So it was uh, like, yeah, it was like at that era, and I didn't really know the players because I didn't see them, but um, heard you know he heard a lot about him. Had him on Football Manager or Championship Manager. He played then, so I knew more about him from that than anything else. But yeah, <laughs> and, and you know Ray Train, you know Ray Train's another one that um, uh, would he would he have been eighties or something if he's if he's in his seventies now? Yeah, yeah, it would have, it would have been early seventies. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the early 70s. I mean, he's definitely one that I've seen mentioned on the forums. So, popular names, popular names, mm. uh, cult hero figures uh, from mm. around the Brunton Park folklore. Uh, other birthdays include well, another legend, you have to say, uh, former Carlisle United midfield maestro and long serving captain Paul Thurwell was 43. This week, Paul Thurwell obviously dipping his head in and out of management over the last couple of years. And we've had him at Brunton Park once or twice over the last couple of seasons. Um, It's nice to see him back. He always gets mentioned around the Carlisle job. I feel like any ex-Carlisle player, especially a captain um, who's now in any kind of senior management, is going to get touted around that Carlisle United job. But maybe Paul Thurwell's name should carry a little bit more yeah. weight to it than some of the others. He's uh, He's been around and he's learned his craft a little bit. And when he does come back to Brunton Park, it doesn't seem like he embarrasses himself very much. <laughs> Do you like Paul Thurwell? Yeah. Um, it was kind of like just a, a good, solid captain midfielder. You know, uh, I got a bit of stick for being a bit too defensive. But, um, you know, we could probably do with a player like him right now with all captain sideways. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, man. That's what I was kind of thinking. Um, Every time I go through these birthdays, I kind of do think he would fit the (laughs) way into the current Carlisle United team. But uh, And Thurwell would be the pick of the lot. But moving on, we've got two more left, mate. And this man was an absolute legend in Carlisle's first promotion in those back-to-back promotion winning seasons. He fell by the wayside when the multi-multi-brewsted Michael Bridges came to town. I'm talking about, of course, Magno Vieira. Magno Vieira! What a striker. He was uh, strong, uh, very much in the shape of Carl Hawley. You could see when we when we got Carl Hawley that uh, Vieira and him were going to be chopping in and out of the side. They were both strong, very quick on the turn, um, devastating, annoying, buzzing bees kind of strikers who could find the back of the net, but obviously the hitman Hawley just being able to find that run of form and stay in the Carlisle starting lineup once Bridges had arrived and Vieira was moved on to, I think, then Barnett. Um, obviously... No. We did want to sign Vieira after <clears throat> after Wigan released him, mm. but um, we couldn't get a work permit for him. Ah, uh, but Barnett could. <laughs> well, yeah, um, he yeah he didn't play football for a year after after his loan to us ended. So yeah, it, I'm uh, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia, but like I looked up because I know like it was. He was on loan from Wigan and he only played in the conference season. But, yeah, we were unable to sign him when we went up into the Football League. Oh, whether right. whether because we were in a Football League club, because he was playing Football League league football, whether that was a factor in why he couldn't get a work permit or something, or passport problems or something. But, yeah, so far he spent, um, he actually spent a year out of football after that so it was a shame we could have probably done with him and he's only 37 well that's it that when i saw that he was 37 years old it did make me jump on the wikipedia page and see if potentially yeah. he was still playing but apparently he is uh managing 
over in New Zealand. Uh, Michael yeah. Vieira's career took a bit of an interesting turn once he sort of reached the uh, the lower levels uh, of the National League once again, about four or five seasons after being promoted with Carlisle United. He decided to pack up his bags and uh, take a chance on the newly established back then and very short-lived a New Zealand Premier League football experiment, a league that didn't last for very long, unfortunately, in New Zealand. I think that's been uh, culped by the, the Australian A-League now, and I think there's mm. two New Zealand teams in the Australian yeah. A-League. But at the time, this was just a New Zealand-based football Premier League and uh, yeah. he went over there to, to try and get it off the ground basically he was one of the marquee mm. players over there uh, for those teams and um, he's, he's still over there so he must be enjoying himself eh? <laughs> he's managing a team yeah. called North Wellington which is probably around that similar standard to where uh, Paul Arneson's managing in Australia with the, uh, yeah. the, the, the Central Coast lads and um, uh, yeah yeah it's just good Central. to see him staying in football, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? Especially after he took that year out early in his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I guess he was, you know, he was a young lad at then. So if he's only thirty-seven now, um, so you know, he'll he'll have been maybe young enough that he kind of, you know, was able to lose much of his fitness. He never really managed to break into league football. He always he seemed to have like uh, with Fleetwood as well. He, he got promoted. Well, he was part of a promotion-winning team, but then moved on to another conference team again. So, never. I like look at his career history. There might be one or two clubs there that he played for in the league, but um, it seems that he never really managed to, you know, get up into the league, which is a shame because I think he was good enough. I mean, he was he was very much a, a a popular figure wherever he went. From what I've learned, mm. um, obviously having that Brazilian. Um, in your team was a bit of a novelty in the lower leagues back then, so they were yeah. uh, cut into quite popular cult figures. But Magno Vieira did back it up with goals for us, yeah. Um, and yeah, he did look useful, but you know, we do have to remind ourselves that it was the National League, it wasn't in the Football League, and and you know, there is there is that chance where maybe a manager can bring him in and. It it just doesn't fancy him, you know. Maybe he just gives him the old, uh, oh, I, need, I need the English lads for these cold winter months. And then all of a sudden, Magno Vieira gets frozen out of the team. And it's not really any fault of his own. It, it, it can happen to some of the uh, yeah. some of the foreign lads at these lower league levels. Sometimes the managers have a preconceived notion of somebody not being able to um, play for them during the colder winter months. And it only takes one bad performance in November for you not to play again until March, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we do see it happen. Um, we'll move on. Um, oh, one more birthday, sorry, very quickly. Um, Russell Coughlin would have been 62 today, and I think that was mm -hmm. all the birthdays covered from this week. If there are any birthdays yeah. missed, please send them over to us and we'll read them out next week and then everybody gets a fair <laughs> turn <laughs> um, we'll move on I was just going to quickly glance over some of the news headlines that caught my attention this week the uh, the See, this is what I hate about some Carlisle United news mate especially mm. when it concerns to injuries is that it, it's never ever 
coherent there's not there's, there's there's never the full picture there's never the full story what i'm talking about the yeah. situation is with brennan dickinson brennan dickinson went down injured uh, a couple of weeks ago missed the game against colchester i think he missed the game against port vale it's a knee injury he's had a scan recently and now apparently it's between him and the physio and the manager whether or not they're gonna allow brennan dickinson to have surgery now and basically, that'll keep him out until the end of the season, which means he'll mm. probably just leave at the end of the season after the surgery. Mm. Or the idea is if he's going to be well enough just to continue playing with his knee the way it is until the end of the season and then have the surgery at the end of the season. Now, I it's a difficult one to make the decision on because you're never going to get 100% out of Brennan Dickinson this year if you do continue to play him. But if you let him have the surgery, then you're going to get nothing out of him until the end of the year. And chances are, like I just said, he's going to disappear and he's going to go somewhere else and we're not going to see the fit version of Brennan Dickinson. Yeah. What we've seen from him this year hasn't been very impressive. He hasn't contributed a great deal towards the starting lineup. You would be tempted to just let him have the surgery and get him out of the dressing room. Um, I think we give him. Go on, sorry. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, I need to stop. I think think we did award him a man of the match at one point, but I think he's one of those players where he needs to be fit in order to get a good good performance out of him. Um, So. Uh, I mean, like, looking at his most recent performances, especially if they are fitness-related, um, we probably aren't going to get much out of him for the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but it'd be a shame that we don't, because he's one of them players where every now and again, if it is fitness-related, it's you know, he seems like a new signing. Um, so I had a few problems with injuries. Um, and it could, it could well be the factor... In, in his recent performances, which you know haven't been great. Uh, sorry, mate. The uh, bloody cat was scratching at the door, so I just decided to let him in. <laughs> so if you hear if you hear a meow or something, that's all it is. It's just the cat wandering around. Um, yeah, there he is. He'll come and say hello. Oh, this is great for a podcast. There's, there's the cat. There he is. Look at the cat. Um, anyway. Obviously, I do agree with you, mate, with the injury to Brennan Dickinson. Sometimes you're just better yeah. off just getting them out of the changing room, letting them get fit, because you're not going to get a good performance out of him, um, unfortunately, while he's not 100% fit and his confidence comes from him feeling good, probably, and the manager backing him up. And if he doesn't yeah. have the confidence from feeling good, then you're not going to get the best out of him. And we're going to get the sort of performances that we're now becoming accustomed to from Brennan Dickinson, which isn't a fair reflection on how good the player can be. Um, one second, sorry. Okay. There we go. And off goes the cat again. Sometimes the cat just needs to come and check and make sure I'm alive. And then once yeah. he's done that, he's quite happy just to leave um, for another couple of hours. And then he'll come and check if I'm still alive again. But we'll go back to the podcast, not cat updates. Um other news that caught my attention this week is the fact that Newcastle boss Eddie Howe has denied that he had any interested uh, any interest in signing Manchester United goalkeeper Dean Henderson, which would of course result in a mm. windfall coming through Brunton Park. Now, yeah, 
we have to understand, even though we're not professional footballers, never have been, yeah. and we're not professional managers and never have been, sometimes people have to lie to keep cards closer to the chest. Now, just because managers say they're not interested in somebody doesn't necessarily mean they're not interested in somebody. It's, it's just yeah. a way to sort of cool down rumours until they can actually be in the position to do something about it. And there's nothing you can do about it in February. So there's no point in talking about transfer rumours and having those circulating for four months before the market even opens again. Now, I I don't want to sound like a doom and gloomer, but yeah. if Dean Henderson was to be sold by Manchester United and there was a big windfall coming towards Brunton Park, yeah. I mean, what's this board going to do with that money? Are they just going to, they're just going to cover the losses, aren't they? Surely they're just going to cover the losses. Yeah, I mean, um, we... Um... Probably some of the signings made in this January window were on the back of money that we received. Um, not necessarily um, a fair reflection of how much money we've received, but we've you know we've seen this quite a few times. Um, the board are more concerned with um, working the debt down. Um, I don't know whether any of the money ends up going to Philip Day, who we owe. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously nobody's really that certain on the financial situation, whether other people are having to pay off. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things where um, they're very kind of financially conservative, which I think kind of like we know. And, yeah, <clears throat> it, would, it would probably take a lot of money coming in before we actually started seeing a decent amount of that get spent on on the football side of things. Yeah, so, so it's almost better. Yeah, it's almost um, better leaving it as cash in the bank, as it were. Do you know what I mean? There's no <laughs> on the deal. Yeah. So it's all it's almost better leaving it as 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 some cash in the bank potentially. Yeah, because um, you know you might go for more. You might go for more in like I mean he's got to replace well you know he's got to be the new uh, the man you number one soon. You'd think, like, how old is David De Gea now? We talked about this. I'm sure he must be coming towards the end of his Premier League career, at least. I'm just going to look him up. So this is, this is the only um, thing with De Gea, though, at the moment. All the pundits are saying ah, that he's the, De he's the best 31. player. Yeah, but De saying De Gea's the best player as well. Everyone's saying De Gea's Man United's best player, so I don't see him leaving. Right. He's the only one who's apparently consistently turning up. Um, ah. And he's the, only one, he's the only one that will face the press on a regular basis yeah. and face the criticism is quite popular at the moment i suppose um, the thing with david de gea is, i mean he's been there for a long time he's only 31 so he's, you know i spoke too soon he must have been much younger when he signed for them but um yeah is kind is the kind of like he'll have a season where his man use weak you know where his man use weak link mm. and you know i guess like you know you never know what you're going to get season from season from de gea it seems I, I, I don't follow Man U, so I didn't know that this was a good season for him, but I know he's had plenty of bad seasons. <laughs> but yeah, at, at 31, um, I don't know, you still hope that Dean Henderson's going to push for... Because, you know, the hope is that uh, a few years down the line, uh, maybe Carlisle are in a better financial situation, you know, with more ambitious ownership and 
then at that point, De Gea goes to like Real Madrid or Paris Saint Germain. <laughs> like, for like a hundred million. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I'm definitely not gonna argue with those results. <laughs> like, if that if that was the way that the, uh, yeah. the the deal went, but it doesn't look like there's anything coming anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised if Henderson did end up at Newcastle United. I don't think it's a terrible yeah. fit for him. He'll be joined by another former Carlisle United goalkeeper in Gillespie uh, who's still over there I think he fluctuates between being the number two and the number three over at Newcastle at the yeah. moment I um, think Gillespie's transitioning into coaching really yeah I mean the main uh, reason is that I think it's one of those players that they've signed him so that he can play in their under the 23 like yeah the Johnson's Paint trophy thing and and there's a few players like that, and usually they're like transitioning into coaching so that they'll work with the under 23s and then sometimes also play with them. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad little career that he's etched himself into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I always I always liked him in Carla at Carla United, I thought he was a good mm. goalkeeper. Uh, Wills, were you at the Port Vale game midweek? Um, I was at the Port at the Port Vale game midweek. Yeah, right. Um, I, I I haven't really made too many notes in it. I know that we'd be pressed for time a little bit today, and we don't normally cover uh, the midweek games here on the Blue Army podcast. But with that being said, since you were there, do you have uh, do you have many notes from the game? Did there did anything stand out for you as a as a major issue apart from Carlisle's defence? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll have to see if I can find where I might have written it. Oh, <laughs> was that you? My phone, yeah, my phone thinks I'm talking to it sometimes. I don't know why. <laughs> what are you saying, sorry? Um, yeah, I'll have to kind of like see if I've written anything down. Um, maybe, maybe made some comments after the game that remind us if I've picked out anything particular. I mean, it was it was fairly poor um, in most parts, um, although we we did equalise um, Owen Windsor. Really good goal. Uh, some good work from Omatoy down the wing and Patrick also um, in the build-up to that. Um, but uh, Port Vale looked fairly well assured and with, you know, just the... It seemed like they the could potentially be got out at the back. They had, like, a few moments where they... Looked a bit unsteady, um, you know, a few little spells that Carlisle had of attacking. Um, issues with defending, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Joe Riley was at right back in this game and um, was directly responsible for two of the goals that Port Vale scored. Um, both times, a soft pass across the defence was intercepted by a Port Vale player leading to a goal. Um, um, so that was a really disappointing 
a really disappointing thing for a player who the fans have been calling to have back in the side for a while. Um, he wasn't played in the position that most people would like to see him play. It was yeah. a position that he a position that he plays occasionally, but I don't think anyone would say it's his strongest position. So, I mean, that you can probably, you know, maybe kind of forgive him a bit for the mistakes that he made, given that he'd not played in so long, then was put into that position. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like uh, Mark's a fairly, you know, well, a fairly negative atmosphere in the ground. Um, sort of, you know, fans around me um, calling for Riley to be subbed off, like, the, you know, the player that they'd been calling to see him play more, like, very quick to turn on him when he made a mistake. And that's the sort of, that's the kind of atmosphere that we've kind of got at the moment. Um. There wasn't, you know, it it wasn't as terrible a performance maybe as three one suggests. Um, be, you know, because I say like it took a couple of particularly bad defensive errors for Port Vale to get two of their goals. So you kind of like think maybe if we'd been a bit more tighter, maybe if like a right back, a proper right back had been playing either senior or Mella then maybe those mistakes wouldn't have happened. And who knows, it might have ended up as a point. Because um, as, as good as Port Vale were, I didn't feel like we were under constant pressure from them. Um, the stats suggested they had 17 shots and eight on target, which looks like overwhelming pressure. But, okay. you know, yeah, but yeah. But, I mean, I didn't feel that at the time. So you'd have to kind of look through and see how many of those were like outside the area or something, but um, you know, um, poor, you know, uh, sort of poor forward play was part of it. But I don't know. I probably talk too much about a match that I only have vague memories of. I can't kind of pick out other than the two Joe Riley moments. I can't really pick anything out anymore. It's been a week. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, man. Thanks very much for yeah. your analysis, though. Um, I mean, for me, this this lad, this lad from Southampton, this this Daniel Simeu, he, he's yeah. he's not good. He's not good enough. He, he, he just hasn't shown willing either. Um, if you if you watch him at the end of of the goals or any chances that are going wide, yeah. he, it's all you can see. He's getting snapped at now by his other yeah. defenders because he's telling them he's only been here for five minutes. You know, what I mean, you can tell what the other yeah. lads are thinking. Like you're pick, you should be picking him up, and you should be picking him up or something. And they're snapping back at him. You can see it now in the videos between yeah. these chances. And he's it, it, cutting quite a lonely figure at the back now because yeah. if he makes a mistake, the lads are just like, well, that's your fault, that, mate, because he started throwing the throwing them under the bus first so that you can see yeah. there's this culture that's going. Now, the manager obviously likes him. The manager's put the effort in to go all the way down to Southampton to watch him play. He obviously feels like he's got something about him. Um, yeah. I, I, just, I don't see it. I don't think he's strong enough in the air. I don't think he's confident enough in the tackle. I don't think he's hard-hitting enough in a tackle. I don't think he he he, he plays with enough um, persistence or passion that he, he wants to constantly be checking where his man is and picking him up because 
if if you watch the chances at the Port Vale, yeah, the the chance yeah. doesn't always go to the person that he's supposed to be marking, but you can see sometimes from the set pieces when the ball goes in, he's got his man. When the ball goes clear the line, he just he just completely abandons the situation regardless of where the ball's gone. So if the ball lands back at a Port Vale attacker and, and comes straight back into the box. Yeah. Simeon's man's gone. He hasn't got him anymore. He's gone because yeah. he's only watching him as the ball comes in. As soon as the ball's left the box, he's just lost his man. And it's consistently losing his man. And you can see that through the other defenders, but they're not telling him in the moment. They're not telling him during the play to go and pick up his man. They're telling him after he's already made the mistake that you should have been picking him up. Yeah. You know? And when you've got someone like a Meller on the pitch, he'll bloody tell you in the moment to get over there and cover your man. Um, he doesn't wait until after the mistake's already happened to show you that you've made a mistake. Um, now, obviously, very disappointing uh, defeat. Port Vale are a team that are doing pretty well and uh, nobody really predicted us to pick up anything there. So we'll just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go over the top of that one. I think we've, we've dwelled yeah. on it a little bit there. Now... We're going to go on to Carlisle's 2-2 draw away to Colchester United. And before we dive squarely into the match crack, as we like to do here on the Blue Army podcast, yeah. we'll go through Carlisle United's starting lineup. Now, this time the formation seems to have changed slightly. So he's obviously reacting to um, what's been happening in the last game. So we started mm. with Howard in goal, Simu, Feeney, and then Roberts, I believe, making his debut in the defence with Riley and Armour playing sort of wing-back positions. So it was kind of like yeah. a back five with Mellish and Whelan pushed out in front of them. Windsor, Soho, Silva, and Patrick all playing up front, so that's a fair few changes there in the Carlo United lineup. Not the change yeah. a lot of people would have expected to see. I think a lot of people were expecting Devitt to get pushed into that Carlisle United team and add some, um, I don't know, some spice, I guess, to Carlo United's attack. That extra option mm-hmm. going forward in a midfielder that we don't seem to really have. Obviously, Gibson being out of the team as well at the moment. I don't think the manager fancies him, and now he's brought in his own players. I think I don't think we're going to see as much. Gibson, as we saw in the first half of the season, I honestly feel like the manager prefers Alessandra to Gibson, um, and he'll be given more opportunities going forward off the bench. And uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, not hopefully. I mean, I hope Gibson gets back in the team again. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm feeling that he, the manager doesn't see him fitting in, and maybe it's because Gibson defensively is a bit shy of his defensive duties and obviously the manager needs his players to be tracking back and getting back in and obviously feels a lad like Windsor is more likely to do that for him. Um, It's a formation change. It's a big personnel change. And um, we needed a result here. Yeah. We We got a point, you know, but we did take the lead early on. Um, from the first half, mate, uh, from what I've seen of the first half, we were under the cosh. Uh, we were getting we were getting battered all over the park in the first half from, from, from what I've heard and from what I've seen on the yeah. highlights. But it seems like something changed at halftime and uh, Patrick was the buzzing, busy bee uh, once again around the Colchester defence. And he opened the scoring yeah. with a beauty, didn't he, mate? What an absolute beautiful goal 
for Omari Patrick's collection. Do, uh, do you have a fond memory of that? Do you want to talk us through the goal? I mean, I have a fond memory of seeing it on Twitter about yeah. um, five minutes after it was scored. Um, somebody <laughs> somebody posting things up there. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really good goal. And um, it's, it's kind of important to have players who have that bit of extra, just that extra something, because... Sometimes when you know you're playing quite badly, um, listening to the commentary um, and looking at kind of like some of the stats, it seems kind of clear that, and like some of the Colchester fans' responses to being a goal down, it seems clear that they were kind of frustrated at not you know having us under the caution, not putting things away. Then when I looked at the highlights, most of the early highlights were chances for us, so I don't know. I don't know whether the people who choose the highlights didn't choose very well or whether or whether that despite everything we still had the best chances in their half. I'm not sure what that was, but um second half, early second half, I guess um you, you know, um you, you've you've got a player like Patrick who can sometimes just kind of take them all on himself. And you know, with a with a bit of with a bit of help from who passed him the ball, um, well, the highlights doesn't actually go back to who passed him the ball. I can remember it getting mentioned, but no idea who did it now. <laughs> uh, I've um, given the assist to Show Silver for that, so I guess Show Silver passed him it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it was a good strike, and uh, Carlisle held the lead uh, for about eighteen. Minutes when Colchester broke their own little deadlock. Um, I feel like the, there was a lot of tension in the Colchester stadium when that goal went in. It broke. Yeah. It broke a lot of tension. It meant a lot. Um, poor, poor Carlisle United defending. You do have to say the corner comes in, and uh, it's just a, a, a lack of a lack of strength. Maybe Simeu is uh, in the mix, but not really on a man and. Um, yeah, it's just a lack of defenders picking somebody up, I think. I think that's the issue there. I think, like, there was only three Colchester players in the box against about five or six Carlisle United defenders, but yet they were able to find each other in the box. And that's because, in my opinion, no one's man-marking. If you picked up your man, you would have been able to battle him in the air. Chances are you, would, you could have been able to win that aerial battle. But because no one's picked him up, and he's a free man just coming in to win the header, and that's that's why that's why we've that's why we've conceded the goal there. I think. What uh, what are you seeing well, from the replay, mate? Well, we've seen I mean, we've seen quite a lot of things this season where we uh, failed to to deal with the ball coming back in after an initial clearance. Um, so it seems to be a bit of a theme this season that we don't kind of we don't organise ourselves for that, like. Um, so it's a corner, Simeu heads it out, well, to the edge of the box. And the Carlisle players, which we've seen a few times, just all of them don't really, they just stand around where they are. They don't really think, right, this ball's coming back in, we've still got work to do. They sort of running towards the ball, but you know, there's, there's, there's no plan. Um, or it doesn't look like there's a plan. Presumably, Keith Millen has a plan and they're not implementing it. I can't think that a manager wouldn't say anything about 
you know, second ball coming back in after the clearance. But, um, you know, they don't seem to be actually doing anything that looks like a plan. Um, Simeo heads the... Well, he gets up and heads to the corner and is, is quite good at getting up and getting the header on. I think you've talked about the fact that he tends to head it out a little bit. He doesn't he doesn't get up there and proper clear it. And that's not Simeo, been... man. That's your silver. The head's it. All right. Simeo's so, so, behind Shaw Silver. So you've got 24 there, number six. Simeo's behind him. Uh, I'll just watch that again. Oh, I've accidentally reset the thing. I was trying to, <laughs> I was just, I was trying to pause it. And... I've got to a minute minute and five seconds if you're on the YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep, I keep trying to pause it, but accidentally hitting restart. So instead <laughs> of pause. That looks like Simiu, the head's it. I can't quite see, it's blurry. It is uh, very blurry. I'm only going I, off the I, I position of the man, Simiu's behind him, so that's what I think it's Shaw Silver that wins the other. Well, I mean, you can't. I can see where Simiu is and I can see where Shaw Silver is, but I can't see where the ball is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like just because, um, just because Simiu's behind him, I feel like it was, yeah. it was Shaw Silver that's won the ball there, because his uh, body right. language looks like he's won the ball in the other. Uh, well, there was a thing we were going to say anyway about Simeon's heading, and it might not be relevant in this case, but you've brought it up before. And if if it turns out it is relevant, or if people are just wondering what I was going to say now, it's just that, um, you know, you're talking about him heading it just to the edge of the area, or kind of, I kind of like wonder if this is kind of like the latest thing with Southampton or with kind of Premier League academies to have defenders try and head it to someone's feet or something, and they're trying to do that. Um, because sometimes you see that when you get like the loanees in from Premier League academies, in that they do something differently, something that's going to become all the rage in like five, six years or something. And at the moment, um, is kind of maybe not quite working out at a lower league level where you know it's still just a bit of a academy training routine type thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you're saying like it, it, it does it quite a lot, and I've seen him do it. Like you think, like he'll, he'll, um, the ball will come in and he'll go up to head it, but not head it out, head it to, you know, head it into an area, perhaps, and perhaps that's kind of like the thing that they're that they're teaching yeah. in Southampton now. They, yeah, maybe it's like a counter attack kind of thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, it's a counter attack culture same, kind of know. vibe, and it's like don't head Premier it out, League. head it forwards. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Pre- Obviously, it's yeah, a lot well, more Premier fast, fast team, pace, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the Premier League team there probably, you know, would expect that they have the ability to not, ha- you know, to not have to ever just clear it. You know that that there's always something clever you can do with it. You know, so yeah, that's kind of yeah. you know Premier League quality and standards, and you know what maybe that's what they're trying to instill in him, and maybe that's why he does that. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it is. But like, yeah. like, like we like we spoke about in the first goal, though the second goal um, is is another example of Carlisle not reacting to the second ball very well. Now the cross does come in through some very hard work from the Colchester attacker who then just sort of like rolls it off, tees it off to a winger to send in a nice little cross that finds his man a bit easily, to be completely yeah. honest, in and around the Carlisle United 
six-yard box. He then gets a second opportunity to stab at it, which I think rebounds off Feeney's face. And then he gets a third opportunity to hit it, and he doesn't make a mistake at his third time of asking. Now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six Carla United players in the box there. Four of them are in the six-yard box, and nobody can react fast enough in the time it takes him to have three shots to clear that ball. That's awful defending, mate. That's awful. There's a bit of luck, though. You know, um, the ball hits, you know, you block the, you know, you block the shot coming in and the ball just rebounds straight back to the attacker. You know, you, you kind of get a bit lucky as an attacker if that happens, if your shot's blocked and the ball comes straight back to you. It's then blocked again and comes straight back to him a second time. Um, I was kind of like, although it turned out to be irrelevant in the end, um, I was wondering why nobody's marking the Colchester number six because um, Simeo is playing him on side. So in the end, that's irrelevant because um, the, the you know Colchester number six isn't needed. Uh, the the defending up until the point that he receives the ball is in great cause. There's kind of three defenders and none of them are really in a position to stop him taking control of it and getting a shot. Once he gets that first shot away, I think what comes after that is just kind of uh, fortunate for Colchester, unfortunate for Carlisle, you know, that you block a shot twice and he goes back to the attacker both times. Um, I mean, there's Carlisle players around him, but it goes back to him perfectly, you know, it goes back to him as if it was a... I mean, so it's still poor defending where he receives the ball. I think the, the fact that he gets three chances to have a shot I don't know. It's just one of them things, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there is always a, a part of luck that goes with it. Yeah. But even still, if, if your job is a professional footballing defender, get your ass in front of the ball. Just one of you. Well, just did. one of you. Like, there's only one of them. I know there's only one of them doing it, though. Like, another yeah. one can come in and help. You know what I mean? Like One of the other defenders needs to do something in that situation as well. It can't yeah. all just be Feeney. You know, there's like I said, there's four defenders in the six-yard box, and there's only I think there's two attackers in and around that area. So that well, his arm number twenty-eight, they, they can double team on him. You know, what I mean, I think it was Roberts making his debut. Yeah, um, I think he blocked like, the first one. Do they need to? You know what I mean? They need to. There needs to be more purpose there. There needs to be someone taking more control of the situation. There needs to be that leader there. And I, 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 I'll repeat myself one more time. We miss Mella. We miss Mella. All right. We we yeah. do miss the experience. We miss the we miss the communication, and we miss uh, just just having that that commander around that area. Yeah. Because I don't think Mark Howard. Yes, he's an experienced player, but I don't think he's an incredibly vocal player. Um, I don't yeah. think that's his style of goalkeeping. I think that he's just good at what he does. Um, yeah. And obviously, he can organise his defence, but he's not commanding his defence. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Carlisle United did manage to finish the game on a bit of a high. It was a very nice counter-attacking move. Some very good work from Omari Patrick going forward. 
found Riley over there on the right hand side. Now, this was more like what we wanted to see from Riley against Port Vale, I suppose. Yes, right back is not his natural position, but what he can do is get yeah. forward with the ball into attacking positions. And he's got a good cross on him, a good pass on him, and a good shot on him. So he's a good yeah. player to get into the final third. He's a useful player to be in the final third and I feel like Millen really helped him by playing the five across the back this time because it just gives yeah. those wing backs that bit more confidence when they bomb on forwards and Riley seemed to let his inhibitions go uh, towards the end of this game as he entered the Colchester box a beautiful little check back gets his head up and sees Shaw Silver right in the middle with nobody anywhere near him uh, in the six-yard yeah. box, and he gets down nice and low, gets his head onto the ball and finishes very well, scores his first goal for Carlisle United, a great assist for Riley, a great assist to the assist for Amari Patrick. It's a nice Carlisle United move, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah, and it's, it's good to see that, you know, there are a few players that we've got now, um, Patrick involved again, um, if Riley can be, you know, more attacking, you know, he's some. You know, that's the kind of thing we want to see him doing. He's a sort of player that'll do that. And um, you know, Shaw Silver gets his first goal, takes up a good position. He was involved, although you can't see it on the replay. And Patrick's, um, he was actually involved in one of the goals that we looked at um, against. Well, the goal that we looked at against Port Vale as well, um, in a less direct rain that he kind of. It kind of shepherds the ball too. Owen Windsor pulls a few Port Vale defenders out of position. So yeah, it's not been too bad. Um, I know like um he, he had some chances where he could have done better and uh, and fans were kind of pretty frustrated with him because I think we you know we, we were kind of really hoping for someone who would come in and turn us around. But good good to get a point, not good that we had, you know, not good really. To in like what's a sort of six pointer to be like, oh, we'll have to just come away with a point, but it's better than a defeat. Um, it's it's good that we scored two goals, and you know, it's it's good that we're kind of like able to uh, to come back in a game that I think we probably thought we were losing. And you know, I mean, we criticized the Carlisle defending for, for the Colchester goals, but. Probably from a Colchester point of view, that was probably the worst piece of defending in the match. And um, can't quite see on the replay, but not entirely sure how Shaw Silva managed to find that amount of space in the area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't say he was wide open in the middle. Yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I don't yeah. sure what happened if the Colchester defenders and just kind of fell asleep. Maybe, well. maybe they were expecting Riley to take the shot when he, when he took the know, check yeah. back there. Maybe they were expecting then, like, him to take a shot on. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Colchester are down there with us and they'll have the same problems with, uh, you know, morale yeah. and things that we have. And, you know, this is kind of them. 2-1 up on what will be an important three points for them, just failing to see it out, making mistakes at the end of the match, which is the kind of thing that, well, if we ever do get to the end of a match with a, with a lead to defend, which doesn't seem to happen very often, it's the sort of thing that we can expect Carlisle to do. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those... It, 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 it was good for us, mate, on the day. Obviously, yeah. Colchester failing to keep hold 
of the leads, maybe falling apart under a bit of pressure. But whatever it was, I mean, at the time when Carl, I went 2-1 down, I was thinking, that's it, we're not going to be taking anything out of this game. So to mm. take a point was very good at that moment in time. Now, to choose a man of the match for the game against Colchester. I mean, for me, it's between two people. I, I imagine you could probably guess who those two people are. Um, yeah. I'm going to go for... Um, Omari Patrick over Show Silver, I'm afraid. Um, I think Patrick's goal was a very good goal. I know Show Silver's got the goal and the assist, but like I said, uh, when I was yeah. talking about Carlisle's equalising goal, Omari Patrick got the assist to the assist for Show Silver's goal, as it were. And uh, I just yeah. feel like he covered maybe a little bit more ground during the 90. Uh, both players, very good players, it's very neck and neck, but because of the slightly, well, the much better goal um, uh, aesthetically and uh, and just, just being able to, I think, on the ball, being a slightly better player on the day, I'm going to give it to Omari Patrick. What about you? Um, yeah, and I'm going to do the same and give it to Mario Patrick. Uh, the commentators, um, and nice to hear James Phillips back in the commentary booth, by the way. Um, they were being, they were fairly complimentary towards John Mellish. Apparently, he had one of his better games. Can't really award him the man of the match based on only seeing the highlights, which he doesn't feature in. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like John Mellish had a better game. Um, but Patrick. Um, if he'd come to me for a man of the match for Port Vale, I, I was kind of leaning towards Patrick again because in that match, it was just like one player who wanted to and could maybe make things happen and bring us forward. Um, I think probably actually Patrick or Owen Windsor. I think I was going to give Owen Windsor it for the Port Vale game, um, but it was close. Um, this one, um, yeah, pa just Patrick, he, um, is, he can... He can put in a good he's one of those players that can put in a good performance when everyone else puts in a bad performance. And that's yeah, just, something that we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't play fantastic every single week, but it's it's yeah, it, yeah. This consistency has definitely been getting better with his time at Carlisle United across the last yeah. two seasons. And maybe that bad game is like one in every five and one in every six now, because yeah. he is normally a good sort of seven to eight out of ten player and uh, yeah. that can be good enough to win you the uh, the Foxes feature man of the match some yeah. weeks sometimes, here. Sometimes you need a player who, you know, even if sometimes, if you know, if he has a bad game when everyone else has a good game but then he has two good games when everyone else has a bad game then, you know, that can that, that can be the difference making, that can be you know, looking at games like this, the diff, you know, that's worth one point. Yeah, I mean, he, maybe, he's a difference maker. Yeah, that's fingers exactly crossed what he there'll, is. Be games, there'll be games where that's worth two, uh, three, two, three points. Yeah, I mean, he, he is a difference maker. That's the, He's yeah. an impact player. Um, and, and especially at this level, he does shine. Um, next weekend's opponents, mate, is Swindon Town. Swindon Town are sitting just outside of the playoffs. It's another difficult op opponent for Carlisle mm -hmm. United. Um, we're playing at home. I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult game. Swindon just yeah. beat their last opponents, Scunthorpe, three goals to nil. Scunthorpe, obviously, we all know where they are. Um, they've got a very interesting youth protégé in on loan. That is Lou Barry from Aston Villa. Um, I would rate him higher than 
Brad Young, but then again, that's just a matter of opinion when a player is that young and uh, that inexperienced. Now, uh, as I can't do here on the Blue Army podcast, I cannot predict that Carlisle United are ever going to lose a game, which this season has made me look like quite the moron. Uh, but once again, I am going to predict that Carlisle United are going to win and they are going to win by two goals to one at Brunton Park this weekend against Swindon Town. What do you think, Wills? Um, oh, man, I like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forecast 2-0 uh, to Swindon, probably oh. Harry McCurdy. It's a, it's a poor forecast, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Harry McCurdy's back, isn't he? Yeah. Harry McCurdy's back with a Player of the Month award under his belt. Mm-hmm. And 20, 26 pence that a, a, a fan donated to him as well. So What's he's, he's, he's going to be on a bit of a high. Uh, um, like, <laughs> I only say because it, it, it made the news, but a, a six year old Swindon fan um, left his pocket money sent through the envelope uh, or put in the post. <laughs> to well, like a goal bonus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Twenty six pence with a note saying to give it to Harry McCurdy. <laughs> oh no! Oh, isn't nice. it? Isn't it sickening? Nice. Isn't it when other clubs are having a good time? Yeah, <laughs> it does make me feel a bit sick. It does make me feel a bit sick. And hopefully, Harry McCurdy will feel a bit sick this weekend, and he won't score against Carlisle United. And on that rather whimsical, wishful. North, I reckon we'll end things this week on the Blue Army podcast. I don't know how long I'm going to have to edit because I, I, I am recording on the day that I am going to be publishing the episode. At the time of recording, it is 10.34am on the 16th of February. This episode will be released within the next two hours. So if you feel like it's not been edited very well, I don't have enough time. So deal with it. Uh, Wills, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel oh, like... Thank uh, you. We don't need editing, really. I feel like we're getting good at this now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep smashing on. And uh, we'll hopefully see you again next week for episode 56 here on the Blue Army podcast, where we'll be talking about Carlisle United's result against Swindon Town at Brunton Park, which will hopefully be a bit more fun to talk about than the games we've had to talk about this week here on the Blue Army podcast. Like I said, this has been episode 55. Wills, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And there's only one thing left to say to the lovely listeners. Bye for now. Bye. (laughs) Nice.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.